With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It is Jersey Joe and, once again, Mad Radio's very own. Jim Berenger, what's going on? Jersey Joe, Jersey Jim, all back together again? Hey, it's not like Humpty Dumpty got broken up, kind of like what happened in the garden. Yeah, no, a lot of things happened in the garden. Uh, oh. A lot of things happened everywhere, and including in New Jersey, but... Uh, you know what? It's all right because the Devils are in the second round. They're playing better. They're playing like the team everybody expected them to play like. Meanwhile, across the river, there's a lot of changes. But you and I both, and I'm going to give you credit on this too because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of speculation heading to game three about Luke Hughes, and there's a lot of people writing a lot of things about Luke Hughes entering the lineup. And I think you and I were too on the bandwagon early that we believed the Devils' transition game and breakout would be a lot better if he was in the lineup. And once again, as the survey says, one more for the good guys. And I will say this. I mean, yeah, you look at yesterday's game for the Devils. Uh, you do not want to give up a penalty shot, nor two shorthanded goals but we still got our own shorthanded goal but are you still leading Schmid or are you still leading Vanacek man that's tough I mean I, I was talking with a couple of buddies of mine you know outside of the people I know and we kind of all agreed maybe you go back to Schmid on home ice but knowing this coach and knowing what they've done in the playoffs they'll probably stick with the winning lineup and probably roll 11 and 7 again with Vanacek between the pipes uh, just because I think that's who you got here. This is why you brought him in to be in these positions. I, I thought he played fine. Look, let's be honest. Entering this series with the Carolina Hurricanes, the Devils needed to figure out a way not to give up shorthanded goals. Okay? Now, it's kind of ironic if you look at the stats, right? The Devils give up three shorthanded goals and they win. And the teams combined for four shorthanded goals. Last time that happened was back in the 80s. And by the way, all the teams that gave up three shorthanded goals all won. So giving up three shorthanded goals, it's a bad thing. It really is. It, it really I, is. It's really a bad thing. And, you know, it's awful to see because you don't want to do that. But it's like scoring four goals. That doesn't mean your team's going to win. Every time a player scores four goals, his team loses. So, I mean, these, this is why we play the game. But I will say, look, I agree with the panelists on the, the Martinuk breakaway. While Luke can't make that play because it's not college hockey, Hamilton has to come off the boards and give him support and come to the middle a little bit more. That way, if the pass still goes that way, at least it's broken up and it's not a clear-cut breakaway. You, you, you slow it down and... You bring up a good point, and, you know, I heard some people say, why don't we slow it down in net, bringing in back the Schmied? I I say, yes, you can, but I like the the fact that Vanacek has experience versus the Carolina Hurricanes, and I would much rather leave what's not broken. Yeah, I think so. I think that's how they're going to roll it. Look, I still don't know why Brendan Smith's in the lineup. I get it. I know why they do it, it you know. He didn't have a bad game, but he's still out there for a goal against. And I get it. You know, you want to protect Luke and, and everything, but I'm still not a fan of it. However, I think this is what they're going to do going forward. Um, they're just going to continue to roll this 11-7 and seven until it doesn't work. And, you know, that's, that's to me, that's what they're going to do. And... You know, Luke Hughes being in this lineup was necessary. I said it after game one of, of this series. I said it in the Rangers series. I didn't like how they break, were breaking out of the zone. Uh, the Rangers were a slower team. And after game one, when they were playing against Carolina, a faster team, I called for it. 
I it, saw a lot of people in, in the sports world jump on it after the fact. And again, I will say one more for the good guys because, you know, as a player, you see these things and you notice these things and there's a reason he's here and it's not to watch games. You need him to be in this lineup. And I've said this before with Trey Matthews on Locked on Devils. I respect my fellow Devils personalities and all that. So I said to him, you know what? I want Luke Hughes playing against the Rangers. I want him playing against whoever play against round two and so on and so forth. He goes, you want to feed into the wolves this soon? I said, yeah. I mean, look, he's coming off the all-time highs from playing against teams like Quinnipiac and college hockey. He goes, yeah, but that's a big transition. But look at what happened with Kale McCarr and Brock Faber and all those other guys. They, they took baptism by fire, and they lived – through those types of situations. And Luke Hughes is no different. And I've seen it before with Quinn. And that's a telltale for me when a player of that stature, mentally, physically, transitionally, can just play with ice in their veins and not feel rattled, just feel like they've been there for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, look, it's different now. You know, you play college hockey for two years. The, you've watched a college game. It's a lot yeah. similar to it's similar to an NHL game now. It really is the way they play. Um, I mean, look, the, the guys are bigger and faster and all that stuff, but the style of the game is very similar. And that's why these guys that come out of college at the end of the year transition so well. Matthew Nice had three games in the regular season. He should have been on the Toronto Maple Leafs game one roster against the Lightning. It shouldn't have been because Michael Bunting got suspended. That's how good he was. And I saw him in person in the garden. Um, Luke Hughes should have been playing. I don't know if necessarily game one, but I think when they went down 2-0, I think they should have brought him in because I think it would have been a different dynamic. Not to mention these guys energized the, the locker room. He's young. You know, he wants to get in there. He's not trying to make do too much. And I guarantee you this, and Jack may not say it in an interview, Luke may not say it. Jack had an extra pep in his step yesterday knowing his brother was playing with him. And you could tell in his game because before he was trying to do too much. Now he knows he's got somebody to give him a pass. Just saying. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. like Before we get into the Hughes brothers, um, talk about Matthew Nyes. To those who are listening from the Toronto Maple Leaf side, I know Matthew Nyes is a very good – uh, third, second line player, and he is a very gritty guy. He's meant to be a playoff hockey guy more than, you know, a Michael Bunting. And a Michael Bunting will get you through those things that Wayne Simmons would have done, but better in his prime. But Matthew Nyes is a very dynamic. He can score those goals. He can score those assists. He can chirp the other team and be an agitator. So you need someone like that. It, Toronto should have implemented uh, Nyes a lot sooner. And now segueing over to the Hughes brothers, Luke just brings that fraternal adjustment. Like, hey, bro, don't worry. I got you. Like, you can take this pass from me, short, long, whatever. Um, I got you if someone's going to try and do a breakaway. And there's that calming effect. And speaking of not calming stuff. How about that nice college wrestling move Jack Hughes did on Sebastian Ajo after game one or two where that fan had that picture of Ajo next to his mother? Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, yesterday uh, Jack Hughes got into a little bit of a rumbling match and, and they joked after the game, I guess there goes the lady bang. But, you know. Who just, cares? Yeah, who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the sportsmanship award. Who cares? doesn't matter. Um, but I will say that, you know, just one final touch on, on Matthew Nyes. I loved what he brought. It's a shame that he's not playing in the series right now because he got injured. But, it, you know, he didn't score until, you know, the series against Florida. But he was doing the little things. He was winning the board battles. You know, he was, you know, just keeping the puck moving. He had a vision for the ice. And that's what you're seeing with Luke. Luke is just a calming player out there. Great vision, great first pass, smooth skater, probably a better skater than his brother. Um, and that's on the defensive side of things. And, you know, he's still going to come into his own in the National Hockey League. But to have two assists, you know, 
do what he does. It, it definitely just gave the Devils a better feel breaking out of their zone. And Jack, yeah, the wrestling match, the UFC move. Look, I like to see it because the Devils were non-existent in two games in Carolina. No pushback, no fighting, no nothing. I'd like to see that. Would I not like, would it be better if it was like a McLeod, a Wood, a Bastion? Sure. But you know what? If it's Hughes and Ajo, I'll take that trade. Yeah, I mean, I think your boy E-Rep would go WWE and whatnot, just watching Jack Hughes pulling that move off. But, I mean, to segue off that, I mean, there was a lot of transitioning-type goals, a lot of, like, high-danger scoring chances, like, right off the rush. Um, McLeod toe-dragging that one in. Just, it just looked like they were playing roller hockey. Hey, can I just say something real quick? Go ahead. I want to talk about the progression of Michael McLeod. This kid, from day one when I saw him in training camp years ago in the rookie camp, in a hot July day, um, when, and I walked into the building, you know, fans were there, everybody was there. This kid's come a long way, all right? There was a lot of pressure on him. We didn't know where he was going to fit in, maybe potential trade. He's fit in nicely. He can be a third, fourth-line center, takes face-offs like a Matt Cullen, right? Yes. Matt Cullen type player. Put him out in the defensive zone. Put him out in the offensive zone. You need a face-off. This guy, that's why, you know, I think learning under Travis Ajak for all long he did, you know, Nico Heischer's turning into a better center. That's what they envisioned when they had all these guys down the middle. And I love the way McLeod is. Great penalty killer. Couple shorthanded goals. Turn into a John Madden out there on the penalty kill. I like to see it, and you know that helps when you're playing with a guy like Andre Palat that on the penalty kill as well. But you know, New Jersey, the transition goals, the top guys. Look, wrote about it on FullPressHockey.com. Nico said it. Good kick in the pants. We need our top guys going. Okay, guess what? Meyer goal. Heischer goal. Jack Hughes four points. Jesper Bat. I had a couple assists. Uh, Palat one and one. You know. Luke Hughes had a couple assists. Dawson Mercer, three assists. There you go. These guys combined for like 15 points. Like, that's what you need. And the fact that Meyer off the score, off the schneid, first goal on like 34 shots, that's going to give him more confidence. He's here now. Going to have more confidence. You're going to see these guys. Look, it's great that the fourth line is playing so well. You need that. But you also need your top guys going. And that's how you win series, not relying on Eric Hollas and the Mercers and guys like that to do things. It's nice. It's insurance. But you want your top guys scoring. You bring up a great point. Like before this series, I was taking a good look at Money Puck with the analytics. And I I looked at how Akira Schmid was like number one, number two in most categories from let's say goals above expected per 60 and then um, all those other good categories. Like even though he's had a few bad games, like he's still one of the best goalies left in this uh, NHL playoffs. And then you look at Vanacek, he was, you know, better than Vasilevsky with those numbers, but he's like in the average goalie. If you're an average goalie and you get really solid defense you'll look much better you know winning those games i mean you don't need to be lights out like a shesterkin just look at the colorado avalanche look who they had as a goalie last year darcy kemper and pavel francis right francis played well kemper played well but the avalanche won in spite of kemper not because of kemper yes kemper made some big saves and some timely saves but you know what the defense in front of him was really good the offense was going, and the star players showed up. Stuart Skinner's an average goaltender. If the Oilers' can power play continues to do what it does, and they can get defense, yeah, the Oilers can do what Colorado did. It would, it would be a huge thing for Edmonton, and I've been very critical of Edmonton in the regular season. I just, like, when I don't see enough defense from Edmonton, you know, it's hard for me to favor them in a series. But, like, Stuart Skinner, I did vote for him a couple times in the All-Star game vote. 
But to me, Connor Hellebuck's a better goalie. But if come next year, I believe Hellebuck would do well with uh, Edmonton if they get a little bit more defense. But that's yeah, just for I another mean, day. I mean, look, yeah, Hellebuck, you know, he could be great in Edmonton. He could be great a lot of places. Same with John Gibson. Same with a bunch of guys. Uh, but you got to play defense, too. And the Devils, that's what the big thing is now, that they're playing defense. John Marino, great pickup. I mean, Siegenthaler back there, Hamilton. I mean, these guys, you know, you know, even though the Devils got beat in two games in Carolina, I think John Marino was their best player on the ice by far, defensively, offensively, whatever he did. I just love what Marino brings to the, the table. And, and he's such a good player, and he's perfect for this group. And a great pickup for Tom Fitzgerald. If Tom Fitzgerald's not nominated for the Jim Gregory Award for the best GM of the year, I, I then there's something wrong here because right. I mean, he he masterly put this team together, master class by Fitzgerald. But look, New Jersey playing well, they still got things to clean up, and that's a good thing because and- you don't want to be too cocky going to Game Four because you pumped up eight. Well, you gave up four. And three of them were shorthanded goals. Right. So we got to clean some things up here, boys. But I like the way that they came out strong, came out firing, fast, quick, attacking hockey, got some breaks finally. And they peppered uh, Frederick Anderson because, let's be honest, he hasn't really been tested too much. And neither has Kachetkov. And Kachetkov got the biggest test yesterday. And, boy, he got a miserable grade in my book. F plus, <laughs> which is below a D minus. Yeah, that's that's a low grade for Kachekov. I think the Carolina was just all off. We're going to definitely see a better Carolina team Tuesday. But I think the Devils are going to take their game to the next level too. I think what they're going to do is like, you know how the Devils play that perimeter game on offense? I think what they're going to do defensively is they're going to play that perimeter defense. They're going to move the couple wingers and uh, the – the left defenseman to the left side a little bit, leave the center to the top middle, try and prevent any other uh, movement to the other side as much as possible, trying to choke as much from Carolina possible. Because, you do, like, I saw on, what was it, TNT the other night that um, in game two they were too biased on that one side and they got beat along the boards. And that's something that you can't let your guard down. No, you can't let your guard down, and you gotta when you play smart. When you especially um, the penalty kill, uh, you have to play inside the dots, not outside the dots, and that's how uh, Toronto got beat on a bunch of their goals uh, against Florida, and they're in a, a big time hole. And New Jersey, if they didn't show up on Sunday, would have been in the same hole. But I'm liking the way they're playing. Again, there's things you can work on. There's always things you can work on. Power play goal would be nice. Yes, they did get one. I still say it gets negated because you gave up gave up three shorthanded goals, but it's it's registered on the score sheet as a power play goal. But still, you, you can't you can't give them up. Like you can't give up shorthanded goals. But they're playing with speed. They're playing good, smooth transition. They have a bunch of guys up from Utica now because this the Utica season's over. A lot of black aces going to join practice and. You know, give them a taste of what the playoff hockey, you know, the, you know, guys like Nemich is there, Holtz is there, I think Thompson's there, Graham Clark's there. Like, God forbid there's injuries, you could throw these guys in, but, you know, I don't expect that, any of those guys, to see the lineup. But you never know. But I think the Devils are going to roll 11-7 and seven again. And speaking of Simon Nemich, perfect segue, because you know what tonight is? The NHL draft lottery. The Devils don't have to worry about this year. They trade away that first-round pick uh, to San Jose in the Timo Meyer deal. The Devils reinvest in themselves for once uh, in a more favorable situation. Timo Meyer's paying off. Um, we didn't really need Shakir Muhammadun or Nikita Ohotik. We already had Kevin Ball. The Devils got Daniel Misul signed to an ELC for two years. And the Devils already have enough guys that can supplement any of those big trade, you know, moves. But uh, Nemec has really been a key piece in Utica this year. Um, firing a couple from the low danger scoring there, um, high danger scoring. And he's he's been rather sound on his defensive and offensive side. And 
if something weird happens in this series, I would love to see him play. But you mentioned Tice Thompson. During the regular season, to me, he was more of the physical playoff hockey type guy during the regular season. That just didn't translate. Yeah, I mean, look, I like what Thompson brings. I like what Clark brings. I like what Nemich brings. I loved what I saw in Utica this year. Love what I saw at the World Juniors. He gave it to the Canadian crowd. Love it. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff you need. You know, we'll see if he makes the roster next year. Most likely he does, but you never know. You got to go earn it. You just can't be given roster spots. You got to mm-hmm. go earn it. Um, yeah. But, you know, Nemich skating's good. Defensively sound. He can, you know, he can shoot the puck. We all know that. And the Devils don't have to worry about it this year. And I have a low first round pick, and we're going to see where the ping pong balls drop for teams that are in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of teams that, you know, frankly, I would be okay with, with him going to Anaheim, Columbus, Vancouver, Chicago, teams like that because of the talent that's there. I'm, I'll, I'll sound a little biased here. I don't want anyone from the Metro getting a top two pick. But out West, here's who I want um, getting the first two picks is I want to see Anaheim either get Bedard or Fantilli. It'd be a great fit for, I mean, Fantilli would be a great fit. Look, a lot of people are like, oh, it's Connor Bedard. Yeah, I'm not getting him. People, look, I'm not true scout. I watch the World Juniors. I watch some college hockey. Adam Fantilli, really good. If Connor Bedard wasn't coming out this year, this is the Fantilli draft. This kid is this kid is special. Uh, Leo Carlson, Love really him. good, really good player too. The rest of the the rest of the top ten, the rest of the draft, it's a really good draft. Just because you didn't get Connor Bedard, you're gonna get a really really good <laughs> player. And it's funny, maybe maybe Detroit's luck changes this year. How funny would it that be if they got the number one overall pick? It would be rather strange. It would be like a New Jersey feel for Detroit. But 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 it would be nice for them considering they were supposed to get the number one pick last year. Right. And also, I feel like the conspiracy theorist in me feels like, uh, what was it? The Capitals would jump up and then you'd have Vancouver. Look, I don't mind. I mean, imagine Bedard with, Ovechkin? Oh, my God. That'd be crazy. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. But Vancouver, I could see. I mean, everybody's like, oh, pressure playing in Vancouver. You know what? This kid thrives under pressure. He he He's from BC, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's going to be – I don't think that's going to be an issue for him. But I really think, like, the way that this draft is set up, like, it's going to slot the next, like, 50 guys – further down to the second and third rounds, which will favor teams like the Devils who have moved the third round pick and they still have like an, another early rounder that they can use. But um, still the Devils are favored in the second day of the draft, which is where they get more of their gravy. I mean, the first round is just, you know, like easy pickings for them when they were picking the first, but we're not at that point anymore. No, we're not at that point anymore. We're done. We're, we're, yeah, they're they're a contender. They're going to be a buyer for a while. They're going to They're not going to be in the draft lottery for not a long, for a long, long time. time. Not for a while. This team is on the rise. This team is coming. This team is coming quickly uh because look out. And as I've always stated to everybody, look, they're playing with house money. They're a year ahead of schedule. I don't want to be because this run's not over, and you don't know. And it's a year-to-year league, and, you know, the Devils are in win-now mode because this is their year. I want to see them what they do when they follow up with it. I want them to do it again. I want that string of 10 years again of making playoffs or whatever it was. I want 10, I want 20. Uh, yeah, you want the Red Wings record. Fine. <laughs> that, that, that's I'm, I'm for that, too. That I'm totally good with that too. <laughs> you 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 know I wrote I not to try and pump my own tires, but I did write an article about how Tom Fitzgerald has a blend of the Pittsburgh and Boston Bruins blueprint, where he's built it down the middle. He's got really good goaltending, 
And but, he's but looking... that's just not. But that's also not Pittsburgh and, and Boston. You're the teams that win. Colorado's da- good down the middle. This year, not so much because Landis was hurt. But you look at it. Chicago was good down the middle. Tampa's good down the middle. Like, you build a good goaltender, elite defenseman, and you build down the middle. And that's how you win in this league. And it goes back. L.A. did it. Like, all the teams that won were built down the middle. And then, uh, not to mention, like, when it comes to contract negotiations, if – you know, I can't see Brat fetching more than $7 million. I mean, yeah, he did score a couple points yesterday and one empty netter, but to me, he hasn't really lived up to what he's, his actual grain is worth. He's a streaky player. He had a great beginning of the season. I'm not taking that away from him. But from then on, he was the same guy I saw over the last couple of years. Good in flashes. Non-existent at times. Didn't even know he registered a point. Didn't really see anything. Yeah, great play to set up the Hamilton goal in Game Three. Fine. But I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest here. I'll be straight up here. To me, Tebow Meyer, from his hitting and his recent scoring, he's earning his grain of salt with this team. He's earning his that contract money. He knows, and I know there's a little bit of a. Of a heads up move that he did on on Instagram that he changed his profile picture to a New Jersey Devils uniform. Yeah, I mean, look, if you know, it'd be nice to keep all the guys, no doubt. If Brett wants more than what he thinks he when he thinks he's going to get from this team, see what you can get for him. You know, I had a funny feeling. This may sound a little off or too off, but what if they the Devils got let's say, a, a Brady Kachuk type player, a physical guy that can score just about similar points in the regular season, but can be a big, fierce, tough guy in the playoffs. I'd be down with that. I mean, they kind of have that with Timo Meyer, and I think he's going to get his contract, and they're going to do everything that they can to re-sign Brat. I think they've envisioned him being here a while, along with Jack and Nick and the guys that are they're building around but it's a business and the business says that well if if we're gonna build it like a Pittsburgh model and like a Boston model you have to fall in line and to me Jesper Bratt's gonna be the third or fourth highest paid guy on this team so my question is what do you see his value at now and what do you project it to be Look, I think he's going to be a good player, but he's streaky. And what's that worth to you? To me, he's a $6.5 million, $7 million player. From what I've seen, because in the playoffs, let's be honest, he hasn't really done much outside of the handful of assists that he had. And that empty net goal should have got him going, and it hasn't. Timo Meyer, he may get more than Jack Hughes, maybe falls just a little bit under. Who knows? 8.8. But, but to me, you're not paying Brat more than you're paying Nico Heischer. I'm sorry, but you're not. And I think that's where the devil's structure is going to come in is, okay, we value it here. If you think you're – say the devil value him as a $7 million player but he sees himself as an $8 million player, well, they're going to have to make a tough decision. And if it comes to that point, <clears throat> there's probably going to be a flurry of teams trying to offer sheet him for more than $8 million. And looking at the $9 million, that would get the Devils two first-round picks, a second, and a third. I mean, look, the the, the Canadians had no problem giving up just Barry Cockney and me. And yes, for Bratz, a better player than Jesperi Kakaniemi. So if somebody wants to offer sheet him at nine, fine. I'd be fine, but I mean, there are other guys like Alexander Holtz is waiting in the wings, no pun intended. I mean, there are other guys like a Nolan Foote that want to take over Miles Woods' spot, and Miles Woods actually performing the playoffs for once. Yeah, well, he's not taking stupid penalties, that's why. Exactly. He's starting to, as Don Cherry would say, 
time to smarten up and play like a Canadian. Well, I mean, look, he he needed to be benched. He needed to be benched after game one. He should have been he should have been riding the bench after that stupid offensive zone penalty in game one. But you know they have to, you know, and now he understands. Use your speed. Use your physicality. Use it the right way. Don't take dumb penalties, or ass, or else your ass is in the press box. It's it, it. You're just gonna eat some free food up there, right? Pay by pay by your own salary. I like the BMW line. I like what they bring. It'll be interesting to see what they do. The chemistry's there, but again, it's a business. You can't bring everybody back. You, you, it's not like you can bring back the Beatles. I mean, no. you can't, and even and even so, it's not the same. No. But obviously, you have Severson, Graves. UFAs, you know, Tatar's a UFA. I wouldn't be shocked if they bring him back. For for a little bit more money, I, I could see. Or maybe the same, who knows. But I'm... I think with, with the way Luke is progressing, you have Simone Nemich there. Maybe the guy on the back end, maybe that comes back as Graves. I think Severson's probably going to be playing his last series as a devil. My thing is, he probably goes out west to like maybe an Edmonton or Winnipeg, but Winnipeg's look like they're going to rebuild. So I think Calgary, you know, a team that just fell short would need someone of his type. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, there's room for him to have opportunity, and I remember hearing rumors. I'm I'm sure you can back this up. Toronto was interested in him a while oh, ago. Yeah, they they were they were. They definitely were invested in in Damon Severson, but again, you know something has to come back. Was it going to be a Nylander? Probably. And Nylander's priced himself out of Toronto. He ain't coming back. No. And... No. I mean, it at the time that contract was you know was bad, but it's turned into a valuable contract for what he is. But again, as I said in Game Three for New Jersey's top stars showed up, but Toronto's has not, and it's the same script. It's the same crap that they saw last year. Top players, MIA. Like, that's what's got to change. New Jersey's top players are starting to come and show up in this series because Carolina's is. And And that's a big reason, big reason why Gerard Gallant is no longer in New York. Because when the Rangers were gripping their sticks a little too much, I talked to other Ranger fans about this. I said, Drury screwed you guys over getting, allowing Vetrano and Cop to go, although Cop is a Red Wings fan. Vetrano, to me, was the heart and soul of that Zabana Jad Kreider line. And you can't just win on pure talent alone. You need grit, you need passion. And you know what? The Devils had more grit and passion than the Rangers did in the past series. And that tells you something. We're ahead of schedule. Yeah, I mean, look. The the Devils are way ahead of schedule. Faster, younger team than the Rangers. Rangers, flashy superstars. Gee, if I haven't heard this picture before. Flashy superstars, and they couldn't get the job done. Well, yeah, they went for the splash instead of making reasonable trades like they did last year when they brought in Cop and they brought in Vetrano. And it was going to be hard to keep them because of the salary cap. But the problem is, is you make this flashy trade for Tarasenko, and I think that's all you needed because Patrick Keane confirmed that he was hurt. Despite all year saying, no, 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 I'm not hurt, no. Yeah, you were hurt. And that's why a lot of teams didn't want to trade for you because you weren't the same player and he's still not the same player. But the mistake the Rangers made was catering to Patrick Keane, thinking he was the same player, changing their power play, changing their line combinations when things were rolling. Look, when Vincent Trocek was on that power play, the team was lethal. And that power play was cooking. But they had nobody go retrieve the puck. And yes, you have to earn your minutes. And you have to earn your role. But when things are working, you have to stick with it. The kid line for them was working of Hito, Kako, and Lafreniere. They were creating pressure, getting chances. 
they always split them up. And I know all those guys want more ice time. You got to go earn that ice time. But today's player, you know, again, they have more control. And, and another coach from the old era is gone. And, you know, Gallant joins Daryl Sutter on the chopping block because of the same reason is that you don't put these young players in a position to succeed. Now, what rightfully or wrongly, as Jim Neal says, well, in Dallas, Wyatt Johnson forced our hand. We didn't want to have him up this year, but he gave us no choice. And I think that's some of the mentality that some of those young Rangers players need to show, especially Lafreniere and at Kako. It'd be like, look, yes, we were saying we deserve these minutes, but we have to go show it as well and force the Rangers to put us there because of what they have. Now, I don't as much as they want to bring back Kane and, and they're not going to be able to do it. They're, they're going to want to need to bring in a Brennan Othman type player who, who can score, be a power forward and add some grit and size to that Ranger lineup. And, you know, I, I've said to a Ranger fan before, and you know, this person took my contacts out of contacts. I said, look, the Kane and Tarasenko deals all sound good on paper and everything, but it's going to bite you in the near term. It's really going to bite you because where is the grit? Where is the size? And it, the economics of it is not going to do so well going into next season and the season after. No, and it didn't. And even up until the trade, they had to play short. And not to mention a guy was suspended. So they, they were even down two guys. And they had to change their roster just to make the cap work. So when the trade came, he could fit. And then they changed the power play. Instead of getting guys that were that could be role players and ideal fits, they hit a home run and it didn't pay off. Now, Gerard Gallant did get outcoached by Lindy Ruff. He didn't make adjustments, this, that, and the other thing. But if you're going to hire a guy to fire a guy within two years, maybe not hire the guy at all. And I don't think this is all on Gerard Gallant. I know there was definitely some things that happened after game four. And mutually agreeing means it wasn't mutual at all. But We've heard they, it before. We've heard it before. Obviously, they're not going to go after Sutter. Obviously, they're not going to go after Joel Quinville. The big question remains is who do they want? You know, if what if Pittsburgh lets go of Mike Sullivan? Is Does he jump ahead of other names that they have on their lists? And he might be a good fit in New York. He knows how to handle that, that presence. But does Pittsburgh want to make the full-on change? Do they look towards the ex-player and bring, bring him in? Which it seems to be working in, in today's day and age. But- is it an Andrew Burnett? I don't know. There's definitely names out there because you don't make this move if you don't think you have a guy ready. I think it's going to be more like a Ricard Gromberg, to be honest, like someone who's not a retrend. I mean, hopefully it's not somebody that's just recycled over and over again because that's, that's what the problem is, is we don't have enough new blood. And I think that's what these players are looking for, something different. Yeah, it's – it always seems like, you know, when there is a off-season hire and it's the same guy from another era uh, from a few years back or even before, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, they're going to look good in the regular season, but will they earn themselves a playoff spot? And then this guy gets, you know, mentioned the rumor mill to be fired. I mean, like like I heard before on the Don Cherry story, um, coaches are hired to be fired. Yeah, they are. They're definitely hard to be fired, but not within two years because that the, the, you can't do anything in two years. Obviously, there was a lot of expectation on what happened. But as of last year, according to Chris Jury, this team was ahead of schedule. And this is where they needed to be. And last year, they had to make the playoffs. I understand the expectations were higher, but this team was not good enough to get back to the conference final and win a Stanley Cup final. That was their expectation. Maybe too lofty, but the coach guided the team to back-to-back 100-point seasons. So, he can coach. It's not just the coach. It's got to be on the players to take responsibility. Panarin said he was frustrated. He couldn't score. It bled into his game. But again, like the Leafs, 
Okay, Mika Zibinijad had one great game. Yeah, Chris Kreider played very well. Killed the Devils. Panera no show. Kane didn't Kane didn't have a great series. Tarasenko was decent. Like your top players weren't good. Adam Fox was horrible defensively. So outside of Igor Shesterkin, Rangers didn't really do much. They were an incomplete team. Exactly. And maybe that's because you had too much star power. That's that's another thing I've mentioned to other Rangers fans before. Like you can have all the star players and on your team, but you like I said, you need the guys with the grit, the sandpaper, the will to win, the sacrifice. But they meaning looking at the Rangers upper brass with Chris Jury, this is this could be his last season if they fail to make the playoffs and whatnot. If they you know, he makes a new coaching hire, stuff like that. It's all on him now. It is all on him, and, you know, it's all on the owner like it was when they made the initial moves to get rid of J.D. and, and Jeff Gordon. And Jeff Gordon's going to do a great job up in Montreal. He already has with Kent Hughes. It's on Chris Drury now because you got rid of the guy that you thought was the guy to take this team over the edge. And again, for a second straight series, you're up to nothing and lost. Is that all on coaching? A little bit. But it's also the players. And Rangers could... got beat by speed. They tried to play the devil's game. They tried to match speed. And they couldn't do it. Now, my question is this. Does a trade rumor like a Panarin pop in and be like, I want out now. I don't want to be with this coach. Uh, I don't want to be in this organization anymore. It's not what it used to be for me. Like, do you see that at all? Like, you know, where things start to realign a little bit with the Rangers? I don't know. I mean, from what I'm understanding is a lot of player exit interviews led to this decision. I think Kako coming out in the media saying he wants more ice down and wants to play on a power play kind of sealed the deal. But they have a lot of you know, hard contracts to move. A lot of guys with no trades. Panarin's one of them. Zibanejad's another. Truba, Kreider, uh, Trocek. There's a lot of guys who can't move. And it would be bad optics for them to trade a Truba because that would just make it harder for someone else to want to come into being a Ranger and want to be potentially a captain. And that's a big look, responsibility. Look, I never agreed. I'm not. We're, obviously, we're both not Ranger fans. Take the fandom glasses off and look at it analytic-wise. Who's more of a captain on the Rangers? Chris Kreider or Jacob Truba? I I, I would go with Kreider. I think a lot of people would go with Kreider. Like to, like, to me, as a Devils fan, as much as I hate him, I have respect for him because he's the, he's the old guy with the most tenure who's worn the blue and the red for his whole entire career since he came out of what, B.C.? Yeah, B- yeah, 2012, he came out of Boston College, played for the Rangers in the playoffs. Oh, gee, another college kid that comes straight into the playoffs and makes an impact. Gee, maybe that maybe that thing does work after all. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So- sorry for the sarcasm, but... Um, <laughs> I like the sarcasm, actually. No, but look, you know, I, I would have preferred Kreider, but again... As an as an analyst, I think you know the what he did last year, after the post games, stepping in for Zavinajad, like getting the team fired up. I think that's him. Again, that's their decision. Are they going to make it this? If a new coach comes in, is he going to strip Truba the sea like we saw in Winnipeg with Rick Bonus? I don't know. It could happen. It could happen. I think for me, you know, again. Are they looking at a brunette? I don't know. Again, the Devils, I believe, have plans for him. They, I think they would like to have him be a coach in this organization, not just an assistant. I think they want him to take over for Lindy Ruff when Lindy Ruff decides that it's enough. I, I will say this. I've said this before between Sam Wu of the, of the Let's Go Devils podcast and Trey Matthews of the Locked On Devils podcast. I said... 
I see Lindy Ruff transitioning to something like a skills coach or a scout or something in the brass of the Devils where he can be around the team as much as he wants around the guys. And then he's, he's probably talked to Andrew Burnett a lot on the bench since Burnett's an, an associate coach, which is what he's entitled to. I think he's being groomed by him to take over that role and gaining the players trust. And I can also see Sergey Breland becoming part of that bench. I would love Breland to be a part of that bench. And I think that, that the discussion of his number in the rafters is a different discussion for another day. Uh, and you know, my feelings on that, but I'd like to see him, you know, be a part of staff, maybe a Bryce Salvador. Cause a lot of these guys on television are, could be great coaches. Because they have an eye for the game. And that's why players most of the time transition. Well, they'll be good coaches if they want to be. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. But I, I I agree. I think if Lindy moves up in the organization, Burnett takes over, so on and so forth. But again, it all depends on who they're looking at, who the hot assistant is, who's the hot guy. Maybe they're going to promote their own guy from Hartford. Who knows? Or from Utica. I mean, Kevin Deneen's been such a great uh, development. Yeah, I, don't, I, I found the Devils. I'm trying not to make sure he gets scooped up anywhere because he's just perfect for that Utica team. Um, but again, you don't know where else they're going to look at. They're going to retrade guys. It, Peter Laviolette's not a fit in New York. You saw, no. saw what he did in Washington. Peter Laviolette, a lot of guys uh, in this league have out, uh, outstayed their welcome. And again, you go over to the island. It's been silence. Usually that's with Lou. There's always silence. He do, he needs a new contract extension. Are they going to change coaches? Like, what are they going to do? There's a lot of off-season things that are that are happening. And you know what? Hey, the Devils are still in the playoffs. And, and that's the most important thing right now. And speaking of Devils and the playoffs, I mean, let's talk about the energy in front of American Whiskey from the first round and the second round. You saw outside of American whiskey on spit and chiclets. Uh, I probably said it to you too many times where everyone was mocking the Rangers goal song. Like I've, I've had dreams about that day that fans get in front of restaurant row and just like have a party out there. And the other, the other day, just when the doubles won game three, they, had another guy who was like the bombman type uh, big leader out there on American Whiskey. He goes right on top of the tables and he's banging at the uh, at the crowd and they start like a devil's chant out there in, in all of Newark. What do yeah, you make of that? It's, I mean, it's good to see. You, you know, you missed it. You know, the, the devil's building has not been rocking like this since 2012. Even 2018, it was pretty loud for the playoff games. But the fact of the matter is they took over against the Rangers. Fans, all, all the Rangers fans that always come to New Jersey for these games, drowned them out. And they drowned them out. I, I don't know how many Carolina Hurricanes fans made the trip up yesterday. I'm guessing not too many. It's not as bad as it was for the Rangers. It's good to see the energy in the building. They need that because the Devils feed, are feeding off the home crowd. And that's what they need to do. And I will say this, like, the home games this year went up from 77% to, like, what? Like, 96%, 97%? Yeah, it's because you're winning. Yeah, I mean... You but that's what winning win. does. But that's what winning does. I've been saying this for years. Team stinks. No one's going to go to the game. You're going to go to a handful of games. All right, great. When your team's winning, you want to go. Like, you want to go see your support your team. That's anywhere. I went 10 games this year. I'm not even a season ticket holder. Yeah, I went to a bunch of games this year. And hell, man, like, when the Devils do score, no matter if it's a winning game or a losing game, that place is electric. Yeah, it's definitely electric. It's good to see. There's finally life in the building. It's good to see. The Devils need that. Their fans need to bring it all the time. It and you got to bring it from game You got to bring it from game to game. It, it, uh, if anyone who's listened going to a Devils game, whether it's a playoff game or a regular game, you got to bring it all the time you're there. You don't take a day off. I know someone who works at uh, a T-Mobile store who's a diehard Devils fan, actually was in one of the suites, and 
was actually on FaceTime with me. And he was in his Devils jersey, and we talked Devils hockey all the time. And so uh, I was in Asbury Park yesterday. I wore my Devils shirt, and someone saw me. They go, they start, let's go Devils chance. They say, let's go Devils and all this stuff. And it feels so refreshing to have this team buzzing again. Yeah, and it's a shame that they don't get the play that they should. Right, like the, the the talk that they should because they're they're just like the eighth or seventh or eighth team around here, but they're in the playoffs. And you, see, I saw all the chants coming out from Game Seven and all the pictures, and and I saw it, and it reminded me of 2012 when when the Devils beat the Flyers and they beat the Rangers, and they were winning games, and the crowd was going nuts, leaving the building like in a parking lot, you know, just beeping your horn, let's go Devils chants everywhere, and, and it's good to see. This organization needs it. And this is the Garden State. And I always call it the Garden State of Hockey. It's it's a growing culture. And I know we produce football players, basketball and baseball players, etc. But it's th- this is the Garden State of Hockey for a good reason. Because this is New Jersey, New Jersey's team. And we're growing a culture here. Absolutely. You got raised hell in the playoffs. And it's Jersey's team. And they're playing well. And they got to continue that in the game four. You got to continue to play better. Um, you, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, but hey, fans are coming out, buildings raucous. What more can you say? And restaurant making money. Yeah, everybody's making money right now. Devils are in the playoffs, so that's a good thing. Ratings are good. Everybody's watching. You can't complain. Creating new fans. Create upgrading fans from casual to diehard. Yeah. So, I mean, look, Devils back in action Tuesday night, The Rock, game four. If you're going, great. If you're not, find a way to get there. Oh, uh, hell yeah. I mean, for me, I always take the train up regardless. I mean, from what, Bradley Beach or Asbury Park, get off at Long Branch and then get on up to Newark, uh, Penn Station, and you're just a little short walk away thanks to one gateway tower. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I like what they're bringing. I like the energy. People are in the building. The alumni is there supporting the team. Got FanFest out in front. Things are going well for the New Jersey Devils. And did you have your celebration with that seltzer yesterday? Come on. You, you already know that answer. <laughs> you already know that answer. I'm, and guys, I'm... guys for, for you guys that don't know, it's an inside joke that dates back a long, long time. Long time that, that my friends and I started, and it, and it just keeps on going. Uh, and, and, and if for those who don't know this, like, if I'm on Instagram and the Devils win, typically, I usually post a nice gif of a big fridge of seltzers. Exactly. So, look, when the Devils win, you know what we do. Uh, hey, let's hope they can get another one, uh, make this a series. I feel like they're going to have a 2-2 going back to Carolina. I really hope to see that because I don't want to go back for Game 7. But if we do have a Game 7, I want the Devils to win that game. Yeah, and I think they can, and I think the way they're playing. But again, like I said earlier in the show, Devils got to expect Carolina to be better. Devils know that they have to be better, so that makes them even more of a dangerous team in Game 4. Limit the penalties, play smart, get pucks deep, just keep doing what you're doing. And And the top guys are rolling, hey. And I was going to ask you, like, what do you think of Seattle in their second year? Just like they're still up two one in the series against Dallas, a team that has been to the Stanley Cup final in the past few seasons. I'm very impressed with what Seattle's doing. Look, they're playing team game, rolling four lines. Dave Haxall's got this team playing better offensively. They're bad, better. Adam Larson's playing really good. The development that he had in New Jersey under Lyle Robinson, Scott Stevens, when he was you know during that run. In Edmonton, he played well. Now he's even playing better. He's turned into the player that they thought he was going to be. But, again, you need to develop. But he was never going to be Victor Hedman. No. Seattle continues to get different seven different goal scorers in game 
three, five different goal scorers in game one, 15 different goal scorers in round one. It's a trend. You know, that they had balanced scoring. They have four lines that can roll. Their offense is different. Jaden Schwartz is healthy. Matty Beniers is tearing it up. Goaltending, they're getting good goaltending. They're a hard team to play against. And that's what their MO is. And it's crazy. And people can't underestimate this team anymore. Like, I expected uh, Seattle to be in the playoffs uh, last year, but I was wrong. But... Th- those were high expectations considering how they drafted. Dude, th- that team was not good last year. Um, Again, and the goaltending wasn't great, and now they got the goaltending, and they're a good team. And on paper, they're a good team, but they're a balanced team, and they're, they're playing a team game. It's not a flashy player. Le- Siding up the score sheet every night. It's okay. We have 10 guys with over 15 goals or five guys at 20, 10 guys at 15, you know, 12 guys at 10 or more. Like that's how they get the offense. And I would, you know, look at this in other ways. Like you look at how um, Toronto is playing down to the Panthers. It's just like they don't have the jump or the grit to deal with a team like that. Uh, they do, but it's all well and good when you have it. But as I mentioned before, your star players got to show up on the score sheet. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. You're getting paid big dollars. You're no-showing. And it's the same script. It's the same crap that they saw last year in the first round. Outside of Matthews, because I, I think Matthews has always had a great playoff. He always shows up, but but it's not like it's Dreisaitl. It's not like it's McDavid. Jack Hughes is taking over. Like, star players figure it out. When Tampa wins, when Colorado wins, yeah. Like I said, it's in, it's insurance that your depth is scoring, but it's McKinnon, McCarr. It's Rantanen for Colorado. Lightning with Stamkos, Kucherov. I, outside of the one year, because Stamkos didn't play much. But it's Kucherov, Point, when Palat was there. You know, Tyler, like they, their big names were on the score sheet. It just can't be Sam Lafferty, like Ryan O'Reilly. It's great. He he's playing good. I think they, they that's the, the loss of Matthew Nyes definitely hurts them. And but the, defensively, they're making poor mistakes. Uh, Matthews again in game two. You try to make a, a flip move like you're playing summer hockey. You can't do that. Get the puck deep. He did it again last night. And it comes like, to bite them. Right, and, and, and the mistakes that they made in round one against Tampa when they were thoroughly outplayed didn't end up in the back of their net. Now they are, and that's the difference. And this Toronto team could go out in four games. Yeah, and I was one of those people saying, I think Toronto could get swept. Well, how, how ironic would it be if Florida, you got, you get, they get swept last year, and then they get they sweep this year and maybe major changes come in Toronto finally. Yeah. Because you hear like, Oh, uh, Dubas guys out of the first round about time. And then they're like, Oh, let's fire him. Well, he doesn't, I mean, look, he doesn't have a contract extension. You know, if they get knocked out, teams are going to call. I think he'll probably stay because they think he has a job that he wants a mission to complete. But then again, if somebody comes calling, the, the MO is there. But something inside these players is not clicking to where they have to step their game up. And I think they're getting frustrated. They can't get to the front of the net. But the Lightning defense is not the Florida defense. It was a different Lightning team. But Drysaddle's finding ways to score goals. McDavid is doing his thing. Like, top players are figuring it out. But why not these Maple Leaf guys? It seems they shy away from the from getting hit or just playing in the dirty areas just to be. But they didn't in the first round. Right. Matthews, how many t- tippins did he have in front of the net? Like guys were banging the body, guys were, and now all of a sudden they don't want to do it. What they get relaxed too much? They thought they could walk through Florida. No, you can't. No, Florida's been playing playoff hockey since January. And they're a good team, and Bobrovsky's in the zone. And he's the best goaltender remaining in the playoffs. But he has to be because he has a $10 million contract. And I, and not to go on a tangent, but somebody's like, oh, well, what do you think Sir Turkin's going to get on his next contract? I said it better not be 10 
because there's no goalie in the, in the NHL that's worth $10 million. And I don't care about Carey Price making $10 million. And I don't care about Bobrovsky making $10 million. Vasilevsky doesn't make $10 million. You have to give your chance, a team a chance to build around you. And yeah, he's a great goaltender, but he's not worth $10 million. No goaltender is. Maybe $6 million. Whatever he's making now will go up by a million or two. Yeah, unless you get for some really good bonus money. Right, but again, the Maple Leaf players are shying away from the physicality. Again, what else is new? It's the same crap that they saw last year, and something's got to change. But I – and you take it to the Devils for a minute. These Our guys aren't afraid to, to, to get – muck it up a little bit, which is good. And definitely, like, in years past, like, the Devils weren't, like, one of those muck it up type players, but they have certainly turned that on where, like, you – you're gonna bully us around. We're gonna we're gonna definitely shove you around. And I know Tatar had that five thousand dollar maximum change. Who cares? But I mean, he he wanted he wanted a piece of Aho and whoever else was out there. Look, that's a dangerous play. You can't make that play. Um, he did get cross checked in the back, but you gotta be gotta be smarter with your stick. Look, you knew that was coming. It, I mean, it's player safety for a reason, right? But look. It's these playoffs have been interesting, so wide open. Anybody can win it, and if you put and if somehow Edmonton continues to be on their run, whoever they play, hey, opponents out there, take note, stay out of the penalty box, please. Like, or if we're gonna take penalties, maybe decline it, put the puck, put one on a scoreboard, and put the puck at center ice because right- the puck's going in the net. Because right now, Edmonton could be the favorite Canadian team to win it all. Absolutely. Toronto, forget about it. Not anymore. The, they're one step away from elimination. Yeah, and, and look, the Kings were on, were on the brink of elimination in 2014. They got they figured it out. It can be done, but you got to take one game at a time. Hey, ask the Flyers in 2010. They figured it out. But it's so hard to do. And this Maple Leafs team is continuously getting outworked. What's going to change? I don't know. I mean, who knows? It's it's do or die, as they say in the movies. It is do or die time for the Maple Leafs. So, but look. Playoffs continue. Got Vegas, Edmonton. Devils are playing good. All the series have been pretty entertaining. Special teams determine a lot. And what are we missing right now in the playoffs? What are we missing? I don't know. I think I, I think playoff hockey's been really good right now. I think the only thing that's been missing is uh, some referee calls. Just yeah. Well, I mean the uh, the officiating every year in the playoffs stinks. So that ain't nothing new. I that just ain't think nothing new. It's that. It, the, the the calls have been more egregiously missed this year because of the national stage and the games, the way they've been spread out. And they've they've been consistently missed. And things that were called, like in Game 7 in particular, you want to call what you called at the beginning of the game, great. End of the period, that's a hook. Like, plain and simple, that's a hook on, on Jack Hughes. There's things that have been missed both ways. But when stuff happens in plain sight and they don't call it, that I have a problem with. But as Greg Wachinski of ESPN said, look, maybe we just need, maybe the expectations we have are too high. We need to lower them and realize maybe the officials just need to call the obvious stuff. That's it. And see how they like playing prison rules. It is starting to be called prison hockey and you just but, don't know who's going to jump But as you. a player, but as a referee who still plays, I ref the game like I'm playing the game. I want to consistently ref. If it's a penalty in the first period, it's a penalty in the third period. If I'm letting you play, I'm letting you play. Like, this is the playoffs. This isn't a regular season. Little stuff should go. Like, the Nathan Bastion call, that's not a penalty. Like, let's just be honest. Like, there were things in game one and game two that went against Carolina. I didn't think there were penalties. 
So now you think everything's a little different, like game to game. Game to game, series to series, ref to ref. Who knows? Wes McCauley calling it just because he wants to hear his voice. He shouldn't be refing right now. But, again, it's tough to be an NHL official. I get it. But we need guys to do that can keep up with the pace of the game. That's all I'm saying. So where else we go with today's episode? How many other things that we need to hit on? I think I think we're pretty good. To me, I think we can wrap it, call it a day, and get out inside, enjoy the weather. Hey, let's let's put a bow on this little gift and uh whoever wins the NHL draft lottery tonight, uh best of luck to you. See you as they said in Happy Gilmore, best of luck next year. Best of luck next year. It's gonna be <laughs> interesting. Check it out. Draft lottery, then Oilers and Vegas. Oilers in Vegas, and who does Vegas have to win it all? Oilers, baby. Oilers? What about the Devils, and what about everyone else? Look, Devils, a sneaky good play if you can get value with them. I think it's – Florida. I think it would be good if you're either on FanDuel or any of those other sites. But for those of you out there, Jim, just give them your, uh, your, your places to be found. Oh, yeah. Check me out at Jim Berenger on Twitter, B-I-R-I-N-G-E-R. You got me. Fullpresshockey.com, NHLRumors.com. Catch me. I'm everywhere, man. I'm, I don't know. I'm like Johnny Cash. Say, I'm in, <laughs> I've been everywhere. Seems like it these days. Uh, but check it out. Coverage nonstop. Playoffs. Talking. Good to talk with you. Be reunited once again. Always. And for always those a pleasure. You, thank you. Always a pleasure to catch up with Jersey Jim. And by the way, I gave him that nickname years ago. Yes, you did. <clears throat> yes, and, you did. And, and Mike Rob, Rob Mike Richards calls you that every time you call in. He does. He calls me Jersey Jim. That's the go-to. And don't forget it. And it should be a good, it should be a good night of playoffs. And we touched on a bunch of stuff today. So people enjoy it. Go listen to it. Get outside. Enjoy the weather. And it is at Jersey Joe 11 underscore NJ. Have a fabulous day, everybody. And bring the fun and be awesome. All right. Let's Absolutely. go, Devils. Let's have a happy hockey miss. Let's go, Devils. Happy Stanley Cup playoffs. All right. Peace out, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.